find out. So, super excited to be here today, but I'm going to start with a little bit of a confession. Prayer is a super tough topic for me. Now, I've always believed that prayer is our direct line to God. So you think about that really close friend that you have that you have just these sweet, awesome, intimate conversations with. And you just have these really rich revelations. In my head, I know that that's what prayer is. That's it. And that's exactly what God teaches us and what we should believe about it. And we read these stories in the Bible about prayer, about when people come to God with their requests and he answers. And then people come to God with their requests again and he answers again. And again and again and again we see these examples of God answering prayers. And so that's why I found myself in a place about four and a half years ago where I thought, I need to be in that spot of prayer. See, four and a half years ago, my marriage started to unravel at a pace that even I couldn't keep up with. And I knew that there was nothing more that I could do than pray. And so I prayed every single day. On my knees, standing up, in the shower, in my car, every place that I could find, I was praying. Every night I was praying. Laying in my bed, falling asleep in prayer, writing prayers, screaming prayers, crying prayers, because I knew that I had seen God be faithful to people in prayer. All those things that I needed at the time I was praying for, I was praying for answers, I was praying for a restored marriage, I was praying for more answers, and mostly I was praying for a breakthrough. But despite all my best efforts and what I thought were all my best prayers, it felt like nothing was happening. In fact, I prayed for three long, long years and after that, I was nearly convinced that God either didn't hear me or didn't care enough about my prayers to answer because at the end of that time, my marriage ended in divorce. And that started to shift the way that I thought about prayer and even the way I started to think about God. I struggled to, to trust him because I prayed to him. I took my requests right to him and nothing happened or I thought nothing was happening. I had not only been disappointed by some of the people closest to me, but I felt disappointed. I felt like God had disappointed me too and even abandoned me. I trusted him with some of my deepest needs. And when that didn't happen, I wondered if God was even worth trusting and if prayer was even worth it anymore. I wondered if I was praying it right or maybe I just really didn't understand prayer and I was doing it all wrong. So maybe some of you can relate to that. Have you ever wanted something so badly that it physically hurt? And you did everything in your power to get that one, one thing, and then felt heartbroken and discouraged when it didn't happen. Heartbreak and discouragement make it hard to believe that any good things can happen. And it's easy for us to transfer those feelings directly to God. Think, you know what? We didn't get what we wanted. God didn't come through for us. But a vibrant prayer life is about trusting God. It's all about bringing our requests directly to him and still believing that he is good and he is faithful even when his answers look different than our requests. And so these are things that I am learning right alongside of you guys today. And those are, this is what we're going to dig into deeper today. So we're in the fourth week of our series on the Lord's Prayer, and today we're focusing on verse 11 in Matthew chapter 6. So over the past few weeks, we've looked at the first half of the Lord's Prayer. We've learned about the request that draws closer to the mission and priorities of Jesus himself. 
glorify God's name, spread God's kingdom, accomplish God's will. The first part is all focused on God, our relationship with him, his glory, and his will. And then in verse 11, there's a turn. Jesus teaches us to start praying for the things that are much, much more personal. It's interesting because the verse that we're looking at today, some might call it kind of a plot twist in this prayer. Jesus takes a turn from what is holy to what looks like really humdrum. As he instructs us in Matthew 6, 11 to pray like this. Give us today our daily bread. Let's look at that one more time. Give us today our daily bread. I think it's easy to look at this verse and think, really, Jesus? We just spent the first half of this prayer praying for your awesomeness, all of these great, great things to advance your kingdom. And now you want us to pray for them to pass the bread basket at Olive Garden? That doesn't make much sense, does it? <laughs> but Jesus is going to tell us, yeah, I want you to turn your prayers now to bread. And that's where we're going to camp out today on these six words. And so now you might be thinking, really? You're going to make a message out of six words of a prayer that's really just asking for bread? It's a throwaway line, you might think. But it's really not. And I think about when I first learned the Lord's Prayer as a child, and I think when we got to that line, this feels like the line that we just sped up. Give us this air daily bread, and then let's get to the other stuff. But if we really camp out on this line, and we really dig into it, what we're going to see is that give us today our daily bread models three ways for us to focus our prayer. It's a prayer of request, it's a prayer of reliance, and it's a prayer of contentment. So we're going to spend our time today looking at this verse through those three lenses. So the first is a prayer of request. When we look at this verse literally, give us today our daily bread. It's easy to see that it's a prayer of request. The first word's give. When we say give, that means we need something, we want something, give it to us. This is a request. And we're taking that need to God. And I'm sure that we can all pretty readily acknowledge that there's some needs that we have right this minute that we might need some help from, with. So what is it that you need today? Another cup of coffee? A nap? A little bit of quiet time, maybe something bigger, maybe there's something you're worried about, maybe there's something that's just tugging at your heart that you see as a need. And the very fact that a request is included in the Lord's Prayer shows us that God cares deeply about what we need. In fact, I'd venture to say that God's probably more in tune with our needs than even we are. Jesus tells us that it's okay, and in fact, we're encouraged to bring our needs right to God. But the placement of this verse in the prayer is equally important. Remember, we just come from the first half of this prayer where we have exalted God, where we have put him in his right position. We've prayed that his name is holy, we've prayed for his will, and we've prayed for his kingdom. So God wants us to bring our requests to him, but he only wants us to do that after we've right-sized God in our lives. We need to understand his place, and then we can come to him in our place. And that is then the place that we can bring those needs to God. So if you're like me, you might find yourself in a bit of a struggle and feel some tension in this place. Thinking, does God really, really want to hear about the things that I'm excited about or worried about or those things that stress me out? 
I got to this point when I was praying for my marriage when I thought, you know what? You know what's probably happening? God has so many bigger problems to deal with that mine's probably insignificant, and that's probably why he's not working. You look at what's happening in the world, you think, what I'm going through, my little need doesn't compare to that. And yet, we need to remember that in this Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us, bring your needs directly to God. If they're important to us, they're important to him. If it's something that brings us joy or breaks our heart, then he wants us to bring it to him in prayer. So in the first century when this prayer came out, bread was a staple of every meal. You'd sit down at the table and there would be bread all the time. So it got to the point that you didn't even realize it was there until it wasn't there. Just something that we expect will be there. And the fact that the prayer specifically references bread says to us that God wants to be a part of those daily, mundane, little things in our lives. Because again, if they're important to us, they're important to God. So bring it all. And because bread was a staple in biblical times, the prayer at, um, at this time could be quite literal. God, we need bread today. We need to eat this morning, noon, night. We need bread literally sitting on our table. We're lucky that today, we, most of us here, live in a time that we're not in need of those smaller things like bread like food each day. So what we need to do is look at this bread as being symbolic of what we need. So not literal bread, but whatever it is each day. So God is inviting us to come to him and ask for what we need. Praying for the most basic, practical, ordinary needs is perfectly in line and consistent with also praying for those high and lofty things as God's reputation, kingdom, and his will. In other words, bring it all. <clears throat> so today, our bread might look like a job, or a car, or a house, or a baby, or some extra cash to, be, to pay some bills. It might mean something like health. It might mean something like insurance. It might mean a great deal on a new water heater. Whatever it is. And as we look at those things, we might think, gosh, those sound so unkingdom-like. Really, God cares about my need for a good deal on water here? But he does. He, we can rest assured that God delights in meeting our basic, specific needs. So this seems like a good time to transition into a quick conversation about need versus want. And if we're parents, I'm sure this is a conversation that you've had with your kids many, many, many times. Do you need this or do you just want this? But I think it's a conversation that we as adults need to return ourselves to from time to time. There's a difference between what we need and what we want. Yes, we need money. In today's society, we need money. But how much? We may want a bigger house, but how much do we need? How much car do we need? As we, um, and I found that for me, a lot of times I'm praying more for what I want than what I need. It would be great if I could.
but is that really a need or just something that I want? So that got me thinking, does that mean that we shouldn't pray for what we want? That we shouldn't take to God those things that are on our hearts, those things that we really, really desire? And I don't think that's the case at all. I think God wants to hear those too, and here's why I think that's true. When we come to God with our wants, it's an opportunity for us to do some refinement work, for him to do refinement work in us. So think about something that you really, really want. Let's think about what might happen if we pray to God for this. So we're going to look at an example of a promotion at work. God, I really, really want this promotion. And God says, you know what? Bring it to me. It's on your heart. Bring it. Because here's another secret. God already knows what our heart's desires are, what he's desiring in this prayer is for us to bring it right to him. So God, I really, really, really want this promotion. So what, can, what God can do with this is help us search our motives. He'll say, okay, Melissa, I hear you. I hear you say you really want this promotion. What are your reasons? Why do you want this promotion? And that God would push me into a space where I have to really examine why am I asking for this? Am I asking for this because I want to elevate myself? Am I asking for this because I want more freedom? I want more financial freedom? Am I asking for this because I want a larger income so that I can be more generous with it? All of those things are those things that God will help us uncover in ourselves when we bring those wants to him as well. And when we allow God to help us understand what our motives are, we open ourselves up to what he's already talked about in the beginning of the prayer. We're saying, you know what, God, I really want this. Help me figure out why I want this. And then help me align what I want, what I desire, with your will. So this really helps shape the way that we pray. It helps us move from what we feel like might be frivolous prayers and move them into a way that we're asking for the needs that specifically will help us be part of advancing God's kingdom. And as we look at this, at this verse, at Matthew 6, 11, as our model for this prayer of request, we also see that our prayer of request should be specific. So in this, Jesus doesn't say, pray like this. He doesn't say, give us some food. Give us something good to eat. Give us something for lunch. Jesus instructs us to pray specifically for, in this case, bread. Make it a specific, a specific request down to the exact need. A lot of times I think we fall into this pattern of praying for some really general, nonspecific things. God, I need a little bit of extra money. God, I need... Help with my house. God, I need you to restore my marriage. But we don't get down to the specific. And I think that happens for a couple of reasons. I think the first reason why we don't pray specifically is because we don't want to be let down. We don't ask for the specific thing, then if it doesn't happen, we're not disappointed. We put it in general enough terms that we can make anything feel like, oh, well, maybe it was that instead, instead of getting down to that specific piece. But if we don't pray specifically, then our faith doesn't move. And that's why Jesus instructs us in this prayer to be specific about what it is that we want. 
I think another reason that we may not pray as specifically as Jesus uh, tells us that we should is because generally deep down, we know that what we're praying for is probably more of this want than this need. And as we look at this, hey, I'm going to pray specifically about these things, it uncovers kind of the selfishness of our hearts. And yet God wants us to humble ourselves to him, to say, look, you know what, I really do want this, and I realize that may seem selfish, but help me realign my wants to your will. When we do this, when we pray specifically, our faith expands because God not only exposes areas in our hearts that we need to work on, but he can also deliver those things that we need. So tucked away toward the end of, of the book of Proverbs is a prayer that really deepens the meaning of praying for daily bread. In Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9, it says, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And here we're praying, Give me what I need, my daily bread. Nothing more, nothing less. And we're also asking God to open our hearts and our eyes to what truly our needs are. Too much, and we find ourselves no longer needing to rely on the Lord. Too little, and we find that we may be in a place that we're tempted to make choices that will drive us further from the Lord. Neither place is where God wants us to be. He wants us to be square in that middle spot, what I need for right now, for today. So the Israelites may have been among the first to pray, give us our daily bread, and mean it literally. So in the book of Exodus, um, there's a story about Moses leading the people out of Egypt back to the promised land. The trouble was when they left Egypt, they didn't have much time to get things together. So there was not weeks of planning of and packing and making sure we had the right snacks with us. They didn't have food with them. And it got to a point that as they're walking through the desert, they started to get hungry, probably a little hangry, right? And, but Moses didn't have the luxury of being able to type in, all right, where's the next rest stop? Where's the next food spot? Can you guys hang on for 20 more minutes? I know that there's a stop up here. There's McDonald's. We can pull up. We can get something. We can get back on the road. He didn't have that luxury. So what did they have to do? They had to take this request right to God. Say, God, we are in this spot right now today in the middle of nowhere. There is no food to be found. We need you to move. And we need you to move big. And so what God did that at that request is he actually rained bread down from heaven. He, every single day, he literally provided enough daily bread for all of the people on this trek. And even though they were eating and they were satisfied each day, some people started to freak out. They're like, okay, well, we have it today, but what if it's, what if it's not here tomorrow? What are we gonna do? And so they took matters in their own hands and they started to stockpile food. They said, hey, I want to make sure that I'm taken care of tomorrow, so I'm going to take some stuff so that I have it. 
And that moves us into this second type of prayer that Matthew 6.11 models for us, and that's a prayer of reliance. So our prayers reveal what we believe about God. When we hold back, when we're afraid to actually let God be God in our lives, we're believing that we can be the sole provider and our own source. So every day for 40 years, God provided the Israelites manna from heaven with clear instruction to only pick up enough for what they needed today. Why would he only ask them to pick up enough for one day? If he's raining down all this bread, if he has that power, he can give us everything that we need plus more. Why would he say, you know what, I only want you to take what you need for today? It's because he wanted them to acknowledge that they couldn't do this on their own. That they needed God to be their provider. They needed to acknowledge God as their source and the only thing that could get them through. As you can imagine, that was tough for some people. It might even be tough for me. So as the story continues, the people who weren't quite sure whether God was going to provide tomorrow and the next day and the next day started to stockpile food. Like, okay, I'm just going to keep a little bit extra because I just can't. I want to believe he's going to do this. I want to believe that he's going to come through, but I'm not quite sure. So I'm just going to take a little bit more. But you know what happened? When they woke up the next morning, the overflow that they thought that they had was infested by maggots. It smelled horrible. They couldn't eat it. You know what they had to do then for that day? They had to rely on God again. They had to say, okay, God, you're right. I can't do this in my own, on my own. I can't do this by myself. I need you. Even though I try and I try and I try and I think, I can do this. I've got extra. I've got all of this stuff. I'm going to do it. I can't. You're the one that's going to have to provide for me. So how many times have we looked at our calendar, looked at what's coming in an upcoming week, and said, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this happen? How am I going to get through this week and do everything that I need to do? But when we do that, we're actually admitting that we're working in our own power. We're not looking to God to help us get through. And that might also explain why many times we're stressed, we're frustrated, or we're worried. Essentially, worry is our attempt to control the uncontrollable. And when we focus on worry, we fail to realize that nothing is impossible for the Lord. God made us with needs, so we'd have to look to him to supply them. And he wants us to look to him in all of those things. And I think that we pray best when we exhibit this day-to-day -day reliance on God for our basic needs. If we're asking God for daily bread, then we're recognizing that God is the provider of all. God is the one who can meet those needs. One of the names of God is actually Jehovah Jireh. And when you translate that name, it means God will provide. And again, this prayer, this give us today our daily bread, is this recognition that we see the Lord as our provider. There's no need that's so small that he doesn't know about it, and there's nothing too big that he can't provide for. When we don't know what to do, he is our source of wisdom. When we run out of energy, he can give us that extra dose of energy that we need to get through those things. He can be our source of hope. 
When we're stressed, he's peace. When we're irritated, he's our source of patience. When we're overwhelmed, he is our salvation. The challenge then for us is to see God's provision and his care even when it's delivered differently than we expect. Remember the Israelites? So we just talked about them. He was providing supernatural provision every single day in a place where there was no food around. He was providing food for them every single day, literally bread from heaven. But they wanted their provision in a different way. They wanted to be the ones. They wanted it their way. They wanted to be the ones that provided. So God, but God is teaching us to ask him to provide in whatever way he deems fit and to be okay with that, even grateful. And so I started today talking about how I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for my marriage. And my prayer was for a relationship that was fully restored. And as you remember, I didn't get that. I didn't get that answer. But when I look back now, I can see what I thought was God ignoring me. Was God really orchestrating things to provide for what I actually needed? Even the needs that I didn't know that I had at the time. And he was providing for them in the ways that he deemed fit. I thought that my need was reconciliation with my husband. God provided for me. A group of people, many who are going through the same situation that I was at the same time, to be my source of strength, to be my comfort, to remind me that I wasn't alone. And that answer to that prayer, those people that God brought around me, who I can't remember, that's when I cry, but those people were, was God providing for me in the way that he saw fit. He knew that I needed that connection with people. He knew that I needed those people that were going to challenge me, that were going to walk with me, that were going to push me towards him through this season. And that is how I was able to turn back to him and see that, you know what, even though I didn't get the answer that I thought that I wanted, even though I didn't get the answer that I thought was the right answer, he still provided. God was still reliable and faithful, and he didn't ignore me. So in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses shares some promises from God that remind us that he's reliable and that we can depend on him to meet our needs. In Deuteronomy 11, 14 to 15, he says, I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and olive oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. So I've underlined a couple of things in this verse. I will send. I will provide. This is God saying, I got you. You don't have to worry about this. When we believe that God's got us, that he's going to send, that he's going to provide, all we have to do is eat and be satisfied. Which leads us to the third type of prayer that Matthew 6.11 models for us, and that's a prayer of contentment. So we've requested, we've requested in a way that shows that we're reliable, that we rely on God. And now we're fully investing in this give us today our daily bread prayer. And we're doing that in a way that acknowledges that our satisfaction and dare I say joy comes from everything 
that God provides daily. So the timestamp on Matthew 6.11 is really important. Give us today our daily bread. Those times are very, very important because what God is saying is that he's going to provide exactly what we need right now in this moment today. We don't have to think about yesterday. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. It is today. And when we pray that kind of prayer, it's with an in-the-moment kind of focus. It's recognizing that anything and everything that God provides today can be this source of contentment for us. I'll be honest, this is the part of the prayer that's hardest for me. I struggle a lot with this whole idea of contentment, so much so that I've tried to make this kind of in-the-moment focus on my life a part of what I do every day for nearly the past year. So some of you who know me know that I, I choose a word each year to kind of guide me throughout the year, and I use that as, as kind of a frame of reference for how I want to grow in that coming year. And for this past year, my word has been abundant. And so I know you're thinking, okay, well, so you just talked about contentment. Where does abundant even fit? So stay with me for a minute. This isn't an abundant that focuses on excess. It's an abundant that focuses on my here and now. So I'm going to read you just a little bit of what I wrote last January when I announced this new word. So in the last few months of this year, and that being 2018, I've let circumstances nearly steal, kill, and destroy me. That's not the life I want, nor is it the life that God desires for me. So in 2019, I will build a life that is full of joy and strength for my heart, soul, mind, and body. A life that focuses on the abundance that I already have right in front of me and finds more ways to nurture that. I think that's why God encourages us to look at just today, because he wants to focus on what's right in front of us. We live in this time where we're inundated with all of these ways that tell us how we can be more content, how we can be more happy. And because they're so rooted in our world, in our culture, they can sometimes seem a little contradictory. Sometimes we hear, have less stuff to be content. Sometimes we hear, have more stuff to be content. Save more, give more, don't worry, be happy. All of these things coming at us to say, if you do one or two or all of these things, that you will really be content. But is that really enough to be content? So I read an article this week about winters in Norway. So there's a region in Norway that is the furthest north. And in that, during the winter time, so from November to January, the sun never rises above the horizon. And it's cold. <laughs> it's dark and it's really, really cold. And so there was a PhD student from Stanford who said, I want to go into this area of Norway and I want to just hang out with these people because what she had found was that the people that were living in this dark, cold part of Norway had the lowest percentages of seasonal depression in the world. So here we are in Illinois and it snowed in October and it's dark because the time changed and we're like, oh my gosh, is it spring yet? And then there are these people in Norway who are living in three months of dark and cold and have the lowest percentage of seasonal depression. So the student went in and she said, hey, 
look at what's in front of us. We have three months of winter, three months that we can ski, that we can ice skate, that we can drink hot chocolate, that we can wear fuzzy socks. And she said, but it's dark. And they said, we have almost entire days of sunrises and sunsets all the time. We can bask in that beauty all of the time. They're looking at what was right in front of them and saying, this is enough. This is where I am. So this is absolutely enough. They were, they are content. You guys, contentment isn't a mind game, it's a mind frame. It's not us tricking ourselves into thinking that things are better than they are. It's fixing our eyes on what's right in front of us and saying, what I have today is enough. And I know that God is going to provide exactly what I need for today, and that is enough. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday, it doesn't matter what's going to happen tomorrow, what matters is today. So we just recently finished a growth group with several of the women who are in this room today. And in one of our conversations in one of the weeks, we talked about the dangers of living in the past. And we talked about the dangers of longing for the future. And we spent a lot of time just wrestling with this. What, what's the danger of that? How can we get past that? And collectively, we came to this conclusion that I love. And we said, there are no what ifs. There's only what is. There are no what ifs. There's only what is. By teaching us to ask for daily bread, Jesus is emphasizing this importance of what is. So what if isn't important? What if I'd only done this yesterday? Or what if this doesn't happen tomorrow? That doesn't matter. What matters is what is. It matters where I am today, what I need today, who is in my life today. Being satisfied with exactly what we have in the moment and satisfied with exactly what God provides. And again, this, this, these six words from the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread. Praying these over and over and over, we can learn to say enough. What I have is enough. What I have is probably even most days more than enough. When Jesus asked us to pray, give us today our daily bread, there's both this physical and a spiritual intent of the, breath, of the prayer. We cannot live without physical food for nourishment. And that was really what the people uh, in the first century were saying. They needed bread. We need to eat. But we also cannot live spiritually if we don't have Christ in our lives every day. And it's a combination of this physical and this spiritual that leads to this true contentment. <clears throat> And so in John 6, 35, we read words direct from Jesus. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. So we may be asking for bread as it relates to our physical needs, our emotional needs, but what God is saying here is ask for bread to fulfill your spiritual needs, and that is me. He's saying that he is what sustains us and what we need every day. So as we talk
return our prayers to the personal God absolutely wants us to bring those needs. He wants us to bring those requests. He wants us to bring what's on our heart. But ultimately, he wants us to come to him for more of him. He wants us to pray, give us today more of you. Because when I pray, give me today more of you, Jesus, all of the other things will be added. A prayer of request, a prayer of reliance, and a prayer of contentment. So how do we put this all into practice? So what if this week we said, okay, God, I want to get to the place where I ask you for the things that only you can do. I want to see you move in my life. I want to give you access to my heart, I want you to help me uncover the things that may be unaligned un with you, and I want to be aligned with you. I want to make it so I have to depend on you for all of my needs. So to do that, let's think about two things. The first thing, where are you putting forth effort and not trusting God? Where are you trying to make things happen on your own? What's that? to you with their daily bread request. 
pray, God, that you, that you will meet them, that you will answer them, that you will reveal heart issues to them that they may, to de- may need to deal with, that you will just answer those prayers. And in that time, that, that you will also just give them, give them the, just help them understand and help them know, 